Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome on, listeners, to this free preview of Dunked on Prime. We're going to be running these all week here, and I hope you will consider subscribing because you can get five or six ad-free podcasts per week with Dunked on Prime. Link to do that is in the description. All right, we're going a little bit of a different direction here because I wanted to have a guest on from the agent world. We don't have those sorts of guests on a, a lot, but I've talked to Todd a, a fair amount over the years, and so you already have seen him in the title. Todd Ramasar, CEO and founder and president and any other title that he wants to give himself because he founded the company of Life Sports Agency. How are you doing, Todd? I'm doing great, Nate. How are you? Uh, I'm doing really well. Yeah, it's, it's been enjoying this season a lot, having a normal season for the first time in a couple of years. I, I'm guessing you're probably finding it the same. Yeah, no, it's it's been an interesting season. The fact that we're back on track uh, this year has been uh, has been helpful in in terms of getting back to our regular scheduled. Uh, I guess you could say our regular season games, and it's been interesting so far. Now that we're about 25 percent of the the way through. Yeah, it's always crazy to look back at on. December 1st and oh yeah we're like 20% done already that's that's insane so I wanted to ask you actually how has the last two years uh, with COVID and all the restrictions how has that changed your business over the last two years you know it's um I, I always say like in this and just business in general even uh you know, outside of a pandemic, you have to be nimble and you have to uh, find ways to be innovative, uh, even when things get difficult, like they have been in some ways with the pandemic. But, um, you know, over the last two years, it's it's really been some, you know, multiple seasons condensed. Uh, in some ways, you can almost say it like it's been three seasons from uh, you know, from the onset of the pandemic with the season stopping to, um, you know, the bubble to another season. And then here we are with the start of, um, of our, of our 2021, 22 season now, two years later. So it's been a lot, but as far as the impact on the business, you know, you just uh, find ways to adapt, you know, uh, for example, even the fact that we're on, you know, doing this interview through zoom, you know, prior to the pandemic, I wasn't doing, um, you know, meetings with prospective clients or even current clients on Zoom. So you you find ways to uh, adapt and um, and then just keep things moving. How hard has it been for your clients? Because it's something that probably hasn't been talked about enough, particularly last year during the regular season. And I think a lot of fans are just like, okay, well they're playing and there's just no fans, and that's that's just what it is. But it's normal for the players. But that with all the restrictions and the testing and having to wear masks constantly, do you? Uh, 
was that a struggle for some of your clients to just deal with all that stuff? You know, getting up at six a.m. for testing, all that sort of stuff, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think it, it was uh, it was difficult. It, it's not something that I think you find competitive athletes uh, sitting there to uh, complain about. Um, it was just um, you know something again that they had to adapt to, knowing what the circumstances uh, are with the pandemic. You know, to allow them to play. You know, over the last two years, you know, again, even with the onset of the pandemic and and all this uncertainty and with the virus itself and and not knowing exactly, you know, um, I guess you could say the outcome if if they did contract the virus or not, uh, or even with family members like this, this pandemic has impacted the athletes just like everyone else in so many ways. But then you have the stress of travel and being in different states and different environments, the stress of a season, fans or no fans, a shortened season in some cases, like even the Raptors finding out one or two weeks before the beginning of the season that they would not only be playing in the in uh you know the country that they're in or or the city that they're in but let alone the country that they're in uh in which every home game is an away game so there's been a number of factors that they've had to deal with personally with themselves with the season extended you know with their families and um it it's you know i give all the athletes and and even the staffs of nba teams and the league itself credit for um for having to navigate these last two years so for listeners who may not be that familiar with you can you just give us a general idea of your background and, and how you came to be uh, in this position where you started your own very successful agency yeah i, I grew up in southern california nate i, I grew up you know playing basketball I was, uh, I was always, you know, focused on the game of basketball. That was my first love, but also, uh, you know, in my household, academics were always stressed. Um, I eventually ended up, uh, playing at UCLA, uh, going to college there. I graduated there in 01 and, um, during, you know, it was after my, uh, at the end of my sophomore year, I started working with Aaron Tellum, uh, who at the time, Bob Myers, uh, who's now the president of basketball operations for the Warriors. Uh, he was a young agent there, you know, Rob Palenka, um, who's obviously with the Lakers, Neil Olshay, who's uh, training uh, most of our clients for pre-draft process and in the offseason. And then at the helm was Aaron Tellum, who's vice chairman of uh, the Detroit Pistons. And even our overseas agent was Warren Laguerre. Uh, that's the founder of uh, the Las Vegas Summer League. So it, that was my entry point into the business. I knew I wanted to uh, eventually go on to law school, um, especially knowing that I wasn't uh, I wasn't playing much at UCLA and I wasn't going to perf- pursue a professional basketball career after graduation. And um, you know, after I graduated, I was in law school and a former teammate of the, of mine, Baron Davis, uh, asked me to manage him. I think I was 22 at the time, <laughs> and less than a year later, he asked me to represent him. Um, and I was just turning 23. So here I am in 2003, um, you know, after being three years in the business, and I can't say as a certified agent, but just being involved in the business. And here I am, you know, representing a soon to be all-star uh, in Barron uh, and max level player. And that was, uh, that was the beginning. You know, I eventually started the first iteration of my agency. It was called Life Sports Agency in 2003. And uh, 
and started representing quite a few Bruins with Trevor Ariza being one of them, Ryan Hollins, you know, Dijon Thompson. And then eventually in 2008, I, I merged all of my clients with Bill Duffy, which was BDA uh, Sports. And I uh, was with them until 2013. And then I decided to leave and, uh, and, and start my uh, own agency again, which is Life Sports Agency. And it's been great. You know, some of my current clients are Pascal Siakam from the Toronto Raptors, you know, Thomas Bryant from the Washington Wizards, Kevon Looney from the Golden State Warriors. Um, uh, this year's uh, lottery pick to the Spurs, Josh Primo, as uh, as well as others. So uh, it's been a it's been a great ride to this point, and and look forward to the future. So yeah, I mean that that's a, some great background there, and particular. I mean the the people you were learning from there in, in the late '90s uh, with R. I mean that's an incredible list of, of people in the business to be to be learning from. So this is always a question that I've had. I, I don't talk to agents as much as a lot of people in my business do. So a question that I had is if you are meeting a young player for the first time, someone that you know maybe doesn't have an agent yet, who's evaluating potential agents. What's your pitch to them? Why why would they want to hire you? I mean, I think when you're coming in, all these all these guys are going to kind of seem the same at first. So, like, how do you differentiate yourself when you're having those discussions? Of like, like what is unique about your approach, your agent? You know, it's it's um, you know, I feel for a lot of the player, the parents, and the prospective clients because, to your point, Nate, uh, a lot of the conversation sounds the same. Um, in some ways, that the prospect is 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 uh, is being evaluated by NBA personnel at a high level, and say they're projected as a first round pick or even a lottery pick. You know, everyone is constantly reaching out to them. For me, you know, I like to think that I'm unique as a as a as a person. So my my approach is just being like staying true to who I am, staying true to my experience, um, talking to them about uh, specific things that I feel are unique to that prospective client in terms of you know how our management style uh, and representation of them uh, could not only help them on the court, but help them grow as a person off the court. Cause oftentimes like even in Josh Primo's case, he's, he's 18 years old. He's a, he was the youngest player in the draft, the youngest player in the NBA. So uh, managing or representing Josh and his needs is different than if he was 21 years old, right? It's also different if his freshman year at Alabama wasn't in a pandemic. So for me, I'm always constantly paying attention to the details and and looking at different factors and how they may impact that prospective client when I'm, um, I guess you could say, building a relationship with them, uh, and more important, building trust with them because it, you know, trust can't be manufactured overnight. So the recruiting process is over months, and it's constant communication. It's also education. I don't assume that my clients um, know everything, uh, even when their son is, you know, highly recognized and is projected to be a lottery pick. Um, I think oftentimes there's a lot of information that's floating out there that's not only uh, not necessarily accurate, but is maybe not applicable to that prospective client, let alone applicable to that prospective client in the upcoming draft, whichever draft that may be. I tell clients all the time, every draft, every free agency is a unique market in and in itself. 
There's different prospects. There's different team needs. In some cases, um, you know, you have the introduction of, of you know, a few years ago, two-way contracts. Uh, so there's a number of different factors that impact the marketplace. My job or how I, I look at it is educating the clients so they know what's to come. And in some cases, correcting them as to what they may have heard about the NBA and 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 that and that player's entry point into the NBA that it it may not be uh you know some of those factors that they may be familiar with may not be relevant to that player uh as they enter into the NBA like it, like it once was man it is crazy to think that i've been working with helix sleep since 2015 and i think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners if you've never heard it before that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom and there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one size fits all they found the one formula the one mattress that was going to work for everyone my then girlfriend now wife and i ordered that mattress we ended up having to return it because hey guess what not everyone is the same and then she did some more research and found helix sleep we took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types and uh, helix offers 20 unique matches every sleeps differently and helix matches are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences hot or cold side sleeper back sleeper so take that helix sleep quiz find your perfect mattress in under two minutes and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep I'm like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house get that 100 night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us Man, I just love American Giant. Just an amazing clothing company. I was reminded again of how much I love it when I drove from California to Montana over the All-Star break. And you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold, particularly when it starts off warm in the Bay and then we get into some really cold areas. You're like, well, I don't want to wear like my jacket in the car, but then I get out to fill gas. I'm going to be freezing. But the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm it's not too hot as well so i was able to wear it in the car not be too hot step out of the car and still be warm enough when i was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that i didn't feel like i needed my jacket even when it was cold outside and things are amazingly durable i proposed to my wife wearing an american giant hoodie in the grand canyon almost seven years ago i still own that same hoodie i still wear it constantly and american giant has since 
spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout easy remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us how how do you deal with it then because this is something that's always fascinating to me right i mean and it's an agent's job to be an advocate for that player but also to help them be realistic in some ways as well so how do you deal with it in those discussions i mean obviously uh there's it would naturally i would think gravitate towards you know people here telling people that there's a incentive to tell people what they want to hear to some degree um but if you're telling them something where maybe they had certain expectations and you are kind of below what those expectations are and as far as what you might see for them at least at first in the draft or something like that how do you navigate those types of discussion that's a great question nate i uh, first of all starts with who i identify to recruit in the first place like there's a lot of uh, diligence on my end and our staff's end to identify um you know those players that we feel are going to have success in the nba and not short term in terms of being drafted but long term and there's a process we go through for me there's not you know i they say everything in life to a certain degree we're always in sales mode uh, even when we think we're not for me it's it's just being genuine it's being honest because what i found over the years the clients or prospective clients and their families, the ones that I'm consistent with in terms of being honest with, the ones that res- that it resonates with in terms of the information that I'm providing, that should speak for itself. So if they decide to have me represent them or the agency, the expectations have been managed in the very beginning based on exactly where we're projecting them. You know, uh, you know, going back as recent as this year with, you know, I had, I had five prospects in the draft. Uh, one ended up going back to school because I'm NCAA certified, but all of them ended up exactly where they needed to be. And that was discussed months prior in terms of the upside and, and some of the risk if they stayed in. And then in someone like Josh Primo's case, you know, everyone's going to be biased or partial to their own ability. He felt like he was a lottery pick. His family felt he was a lottery pick. Well, at the time, he was projected in pretty much the middle of the second round. So for me, it's like, again, trust the process. We're going to do these things. I'm going to have a plan. The plan is going to be very fluid because it has to be, uh, you know, based on how the market is changing within the draft and the information that I'm receiving in real time. And they trusted that. And that was always established in the beginning. And we had a great outcome. It was drafted in the lottery. Um, and that's just what I found success with over time. The You know, identifying talent, guys that, uh, you know, our personalities are a good fit with and, and buy into uh, the resources that we're providing to them that will help them not just in the draft, but in their career moving forward. And the guys that buy into it, they find tremendous success. And that's essentially been the MO of myself and the agency. It's like we we identify talent that's undervalued. We develop that talent to make sure that they're exceeding what was initially their projected value. The Pascal Siakams, the Thomas Bryants, the Kavan Looney's, the Josh Primos. And, you know, I could go on and on with some of my other clients, but that's where we found success. And I think that's the art of agenting. That's why 
our clients hire us as uh, as their representatives. Yeah, it's funny. A lot of people, I think, when this trend started, you know, with Lon Babby, Bob Myers, back in the, the late 2000s or early part of the last decade of agents going to be front office personnel, I think a lot of people are like, well, what is this guy is doing a totally different job? But really, for you guys, player evaluation and doing it at a young age, I mean, you're, you're, your livelihood is probably more dependent on your ability to do that even than maybe a, a GM so uh that's it's that's something that I've always been impressed by with agents when I talk to you guys of just how locked in you are on just what you can do both who's going to be projectable who can get better how to get guys better Nate I appreciate you saying that because I, I literally just had the conversation in the last few days with that with the front office exec and I said it respectfully is you, there's a lot more conviction in the evaluation of a player when you're spending your own money to not only evaluate that player by traveling, taking the time, that investment of capital and time, but also once you onboard that client, the investment of capital and resources, because you're essentially betting on what you um, what you saw in that client, uh, you know, before the draft process even began. So, you know, oftentimes, you know, the GMs or scouts in some cases will, will be skeptical or have their doubts, for, you know, and, and that's natural. But at least for me, when I'm identifying that talent, it's not where they're are. I'm not evaluating for them where they're at in that moment in real time, right? If I'm looking at an 18-year-old or a 19-year-old, well, I always say mother nature hasn't taken its course, but they may still be growing. We know they're like growing in terms of their height, but we certainly know they're going to get stronger and they're going to fill out because that's just what happens in most cases than not. So I'm always trying to say, okay, if that client was with me, based on what I'm seeing, based on their character, their personality, their work ethic, and some of these other factors that I've gathered from, you know, coaching staffs or opponents, opposing players or, or coaches. Once I gather all that information, and then I say, if they, if I put these resources around them, where do I foresee them being? That's where I have these outcomes. I, I like to think positive outcomes with the clients once they've bought into that. Yeah. No, and I think it's something a lot of people don't realize as well is that you know, on rookie scale contracts, you guys don't really make that much. Like that's limited by the Players Association. And, and so it's really not until the second contract that you're probably going to recoup this investment that's taken place over, you know, if you're at the end of a rookie scale contract, a minimum of, of five years, perhaps a, even longer. So uh, that's and for a GM. All right. You missed on a draft pick. You're you're not going to get fired probably over one draft pick. But for you, if you put all these resources into a guy over five years and then you know he, he doesn't work out or uh, you know he ends up going with someone else or, or whatever you know that's affecting your livelihood a lot more than it is maybe the gm so there's there are market forces that make you guys have to be really good at both finding talent and finding the right fit of someone that's going to work well with you Nate, I, I mean you, you're nailing it it's it, it's not just the front office who are usually under contract uh for a certain number of years that's guaranteed the coaching staffs, same thing. But I also extend it to college coaches, you know, like when I'm recruiting, a, 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 again, a prospective client, it's not recruiting them for four years, right? Or five years, which a, a student athlete in college could be in college for that number of years or max amount of years. And then they move on to their professional lives or in, in the professional level or at, at the NBA levels, that player is drafted, as you pointed out, to that GM. And look, they have several 
draft picks in the future, or they could trade that asset away for me. It's like, no, that investment is supposed to be for that player's, uh, their duration of their career. And, um, and it's, and it's a personal business, um, as much as it's, you know, I have to be professional and, and, uh, deliver for my clients, um, or exceed expectations. It's a personal business in terms of knowing that we're going to have this relationship, you know, for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years of the rest of their lives is you go through a lot with the client. You've been there, you know, you're there to see girlfriends turn into wives or, you know, you know, see close family members possibly pass away or see certain hardships or children being born. And at least for me, I'm, I'm there in those moments for my clients, you know, when they need someone to confide in or, or even just showing up to be present. So if you, there are times obviously as an agent where you don't necessarily get the outcome that you would have liked for your client, whether that's where they're going in the draft or maybe in a a free agency, they don't have the market that they might've have hoped for. Uh, How do you, how do you deal with that? You know, obviously like, this is someone's livelihood uh players are not exactly known for being like well i guess i just wasn't good enough so that's why this didn't work out for me right like they're not they're not necessarily inward focused on that and you can't be right you always have to have confidence in your own ability so if you run into that sort of a situation with a a a client how do you manage that to uh, say you know hey this is why this worked out this way this time and you know we're going to do better to still uh continue the relationship going forward even though you didn't get the result you wanted that time yeah you're describing crisis management mate and and the best way to avoid the crisis is you know the best way to manage the crisis is avoiding it altogether the best way to avoid the crisis is by communicating with the client in real time and being honest about where things are at in some ways if you really know what you're doing and you're an expert which i like to think that i am is you'll see the signs ahead of time you know, if I have two clients that are in free agency, Kevon Looney and Thomas Bryant. I'm not waiting to have the conversations about free agency, you know, July 1st of 2022. I'm not waiting to have those conversations a month or three months. Those conversations. Well, 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 wait, hold on, hold on, Todd. No, no it, the uh, athletes say that uh, they never think about that stuff during the season. And uh, it's only only after the season that they deal with that. You're ro- you're rooting all these cliches right now, Todd. You're you're you're. Uh, uh, no one's That's ever going to believe players when they say that anymore now. No, they they will. They just they just know my clients may be the exception. <laughs> So, you know, for, for me, it's, again, it's education it's being proactive opposed to reactive. And it's like, you know, I always say we all have goals, uh, you know, athletes aren't different than you, Nate, or myself. Like we have goals in life. We have expectations. So if my clients uh, expect a certain or specific outcome for themselves, then let me reverse engineer that outcome to say, hey, what will you have to do in all likelihood to get to that outcome or even exceed the expectations or have me exceed those expectations? And it's about giving them information, providing that in real time, well ahead of that moment when we do go into free agency and I'm talking with teams. But like the information, like we know what free agents are, say, available in 2022. We know what teams have cap space. We know what the rosters look like. In some cases, the information is fluid. Trades may happen. Injuries happen. Management changes happen. Coaching changes happen. 
those things happen, but it, it shouldn't disrupt overall where it completely impacts what you had projected for the client. And in some cases, it shouldn't impact what the player um, what the player should be doing on the court in terms of production. And if it does, then the client, and a lot of times the client's realistic because I provided the information to know how that decrease in production or increase in production could work out for them in free agency. Yeah. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets. And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us. No, I, I think that that seems pretty realistic. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I do that for a living too, right? I, I have I have my process to try and figure out what guys are going to get paid. And, and I do that largely at a remove. You know, I, I don't have like that many conversations to try to figure that out. I'll, you know, I do a show with my fellow cap dorks every year where we try to game out the, the off season and, you know, be mock GMs and you know, just based on historical comps and just our feeling on, on who the best players are available. And sometimes we get that right. Other times we are, we're not exactly. Uh, perfect with it but so I, I mean surely there are times when you know your evaluation even based on those factors that uh, can be wrong a little bit but it sounds like your your approach is a relatively conservative one uh, would that be fair to say when when you're talking to your clients of just you know you're presenting a range of outcomes and you're just kind of not over promising would that be a kind of a fair characterization of the way that you're doing things it's not is no well i i am conservative but i'm arming my clients with the information because at the end of the day, I shouldn't even say clients, they're my partners. Yeah. I could be a brilliant agent if if if, if somebody could say I'm a brilliant agent and and my track record could could speak for itself potentially, right? Yeah. But if my client isn't performing at a certain level to produce the outcome that they want, that's not on me as a, their agent. That's on their production. And that's something that they could impact over 82 games and playoffs to get the outcome they want. But as an agent, if I'm not giving them the information for them to know what it takes to get to that outcome, then that's on me as their agent for, at least for me, of not informing them. So for me, it's again, taking a proactive approach to say, okay, we're partners here. I, you know, I'm the agent, you're the player, you have to, you know, go through this for 82 games, like in the playoffs. Well, understand this, your report card at the end of the season has to say X or close to it if you want anywhere near that outcome that you want. Yeah, no, and that, that's the that, difference. 
that that's a great way to to approach it now of course you may run into situations where perhaps your client just isn't getting the opportunity to meet those goals that that you've set out for them and maybe you know it's tough to prove that you deserve to be playing more if you're not playing so if you have a, a client who's in that situation with the team where you know you you obviously believe in your client your client believes in himself but he's just not getting on the court for whatever reason or there's some other conflict in the way his career is being managed how do you navigate that with the team to to go to their management and try to advocate for your client in a way that might be realistic and effective to improve their situation <laughs> Nate I, I say this to my clients you know I've said it to my rookie class their second contract the negotiations began the day they were drafted so my dialogue and communication with the team is always to steer things back on track because giving management and coaches the benefit of the doubt there's so many moving parts and things they're trying to manage their function and their focus is team or organization my function is my client or my partner my that player so I have to constantly remind them or get things back on track, but also being sensitive to the management or coaching staff, my players have to do their part too in practices, in games. And if those boxes are being checked, if, if I get feedback from a GM or a coach that says, we'd like to see, you know, Pascal shoot 35% or greater, shoot, you know, shoot better from three when he was a rookie or a sophomore. We like to see Josh Primo do X or Thomas Bryant rebound the ball, ball more or whatever the case may be in the off season, again, providing those resources or that those resources are putting them in an environment to work on those things. Once those boxes are checked and I could see it and my coaches are validating that and they go back in and the opportunities they're getting, they're checking those boxes and their minutes aren't increasing, aren't increasing or they're relegated to the bench. That's when, that, that's when there's an issue because I, I'll be, I'll be the first one to point out to that general manager or head coach to say, you said that my client wasn't doing X, Y, and Z. They've improved in these areas. Their production is there per 36, for example. Then why aren't they playing? And it's just, it's a, it's, it's a rational conversation. I'm never one to try to just be very subjective in my conversations without bringing evidence to support or validate what I'm saying. Yeah. No. So I mean, have you ever run into situations though, where the guy does what he was asked to do and he, and he's still not playing and, and how do you handle that at that? It has, it has happened, but it, it's, it's all based on circumstance. Yeah. Are we talking about a, a guy that's a former all-star or a guy that's in his prime that has had product, like has this extensive resume in which they have been productive and they're the model citizen and they're not playing or is it, a young player that's on a two-way that's just been called up that is more than capable of playing but isn't playing. Yeah. So I'm dealing with, and I have to be reasonable. I have to look at all the factors from a team perspective, from my client's perspective, to their roster, to the league, what's going on, what's trending, what's, what's the talk amongst that organization. I am looking at things holistically to then be able to, one, give my client good advice so that they're not losing hope and they're, and they're continuing to be motivated so that when they're to work on their game so that when there is opportunity, 
they could uh, they could produce at a high level. Because what I don't want is for that opportunity to come and the team says, I told you so. That's why he isn't getting minutes. But I also have to talk to the team to say, what's the plan? Is my client ever going to get minutes because that's what you sold us on? Or then why did you draft him? Yeah. Right? Now, well, so this is actually somewhat along this vein. You you had had an interesting situation with Kevon Looney in Golden State. And he got his, uh, his fourth year option to um and then he ended up re-signing with the Warriors after that and then after 2019 re-signing with them again a, on a, a nice deal two plus one for about five million a year so uh when he had established bird rights with them again and um was they, they were able to give him more than just what he would have made that fourth year which I think was like 2.2 million or something but how what was that situation like because that's something that's kind of for a lot of draft picks that's a disaster right to get your rookie option declined you know, the Warriors did that because they were, you know, in the tax and they didn't feel like he was going to contribute. Then he had a, a really nice year in 17-18. But uh, kind of take us through that process of getting the option declined, how you guys dealt with that, your communication with the organization, and then being able to maintain that relationship despite what, you know, is kind of the nuclear option uh, for a, a lot of draft picks to be able to survive that and still have him in Golden State now five seasons later. Yeah, there's a number of things that go into, again, it's, it's based on Kavan's circumstances and the Warriors. His option wasn't picked up for health reasons. That was the main reason, right? It wasn't Kavan's skill set or, you know, um, his personality or demeanor amongst the team or anything like that. The other thing is we look at where the the Warriors were, if I look at it from their perspective, where they were from a tax standpoint, right? Declining Kavan's fourth year gave them options and it still gave them the option to come back to re-sign him in that fourth year. From my perspective for Kavan at the time, once he was able to show them that he was healthy and was contributing at a high level, they were still the best team in the league. And and there was still opportunity for Kavan to build on what he had did in that year three going forward, right? Um, And, you know, I always say this too, Nate, like I, I try to have as best of a memory as I can or an elephant's memory. There's so many things going on in real time when decisions are being made. The biggest factor I look at when those decisions are being made is like, you know, in free agency, like there was other suitors. I won't say which teams, but when you're weighing the pros and cons and maybe what they're offering is, you know, there's a, a, a deep analysis for, you know, what's the tax impact and the tax implications Where's management at in their contract? What's the stability of the coaching staff? What's the history of that team, the way it's constructed, being in the playoffs? There's a number of things on Wayne, in addition to where Kavan was at in his career and his age, to say, you know what? It's better to sacrifice a little bit of money to go back to Golden State, knowing that it's a stable organization. There's an amazing locker room. Um, You know that they're going to be in contention when they're healthy. And Kavan is contributing at a high level and they want him back. Now, do you, do you want, do you, do I always want the contracts to be greater for my client? 
Absolutely. I know they do too. But again, when you're looking at the market and there's 30 teams and those 30 teams in free agency, there's a pecking order in terms of how they drafted and how they're trying to fill uh, a specific positional need. In addition to what's the inventory in terms of free agents at that position at a high level. That's where I, I, you know, I have my war room with my staff. I'm in real time crossing off names, seeing where they're signing. And pretty soon the picture is clear. You could, and we could fight it all we want, but the facts are right there staring us in the face and the numbers can't lie. And the CBA doesn't lie in terms of the rules that teams have to navigate with. So again, that's how we look at it. That's where certain things end up happening, but it's always about putting the client in the best position. Thomas Bryant, in similar fashion, you know, two years with the Washington Wizards, he's he was starting. He's a restricted free agent. I signed him to a three-year deal to give him a security, uh, get him to full bird rights. He's only 24 years old and he was starting. So, and you see where that team is at. He's going to return from injury, but it's setting him up. Again, the negotiation for the next contract begins when that first one is signed, whether it's a rookie contract, a rookie scale contract, or that 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 client's second contract, the next negotiations begun. And that's how I always look at things. Yeah, no, I think that Kavan and Golden State, I mean, that's one of the more fascinating evolutions and uh, i mean if, if i may compliment you i thought you did an awesome job there because you know he fits so well into their system with his ability to switch and and screen and just play smart you know i'm not sure that he would have had the career that he's had or gotten that second contract um you know with the with the five million a year with a, another team um because you know i think his strengths and his weaknesses work really well within Golden State's system, whereas for another team, you know, maybe that that wouldn't necessarily have been the case. And so, yeah, I mean, maybe if you did, you know, I mean, 2018 was like an incredibly terrible market. So, uh, you know, I, I'm it, it, I, I don't envy you the job and, and, or that you had to do that time, but to go back to Golden State for less money, and I think it was a, a one-year minimum deal, and just continue to build and then get that second contract. I think that was that was some pretty good work. Uh, and then even to yeah, get you paid, can't. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead, Nate. I, I was going to say, even to get him paid in 2019 when they were hard capped after the Russell move as well. I mean, I was looking at the numbers and I'm like, wow, I, th- I think I even was said on my show, like, man, like, I don't know how they're going to figure out a way to get Looney back here with the hard cap. And you guys managed to do that on a, a deal that was yeah. pretty good for him. So uh, I, I, I'll have to compliment you on that one. You did a nice job. Thanks, Nate. Well, and Nate, you bring up, you bring up great points. It's, um, you know, with um with Lo- with Looney as well as all the other clients, you want to put them in a position to be successful in terms of the system familiarity, and then also listening to the client to say if the client says I'm really happy here, I'm listening to that because that's extremely oh, wait, wait, what important. that matters? What it's it's not just about get, getting the the maximum amount of money, like your actual happiness in a place. That, that's well, important. it depends on the amount of money too, Nate. Like you know, that, <laughs> that can make them extremely happy too. But yeah, uh, yeah. And, I, I mean, if, I, it's, if it's Alex Caruso. <laughs> So and they double they double what the Lakers were offering. Then you probably got to go. Right. He, he seems pretty happy in Chicago too. That they they seem pretty happy with him. But yeah, yeah. But you know, it's um, I lost my train of thought. It, it was more along the lines of like um, with Kavan. It, it was interesting. The point I was going to make, and it's just I I try to look at history too as as well. And what I mean by history is the Warriors, the Golden State Warriors in this modern era are are a dynasty, right? They're our most yeah. recent dynasty, right? 
And when I look back in the history of a dynasty super teams, your, your 80s Lakers, your 80s Celtics, Philadelphia, you know, your Detroit Piston bad boys, Chicago Bulls, 2000 Lakers, San Antonio Spurs. It's very rare once that dynasty has been established and they're winning championships to have a first round pick to uh, uh, that is able to be integrated into that team. And somebody could say, well, Todd, the Spurs did it with Kawhi Leonard. They did, but it's also where those superstars at in their careers too, right? right. Where was Manu, Tony, and, and Timmy? They, they were getting older. So I say that for, I give the credit really to Kavan is to be a, a college freshman drafted to a dynasty and to be able to navigate and people see Kavan as a center. Kavan was a power forward coming out of UCLA. If you go back to even his high school days, he was running the one through the five. No, I, I remember. Yeah. His opportunity was going to come, was going to come at playing the center for the Warriors and he adapted. So, and, and that, getting back to, uh, I remember what I was going to say, Nate, again, it's theoretical is good players adapt to systems sometimes out of necessity. You know, it's like you said earlier, you asked me earlier, well, Todd, what happens if a player doesn't play? Well, sometimes players don't play because, you know, they don't have the ability to adapt. I hate to say that because the coaches want to see them in a particular role. And sometimes it's difficult for those players to make that change in Kavan's chain uh, case. And it wasn't easy is he embraced the role of center after some time and he knew exactly what his role was going to be. It was going to be defense, right? Rebounding and setting hard screens and making the right pass, knowing that he was part of, you know, one of the greatest uh, or one of the greatest offensive teams we've ever seen. So that's a credit to him. So Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. We are uh, running a little short on time. I'll, I'll get you out of here pretty soon. I, As it turned out, we've just kind of gone along here, and I haven't gotten to two-thirds of my outline, so we'll have, well, I'll, I'll have to have you back on. But uh, this is one thing that I really did want, want to ask you. And, you know, they always say uh, all's fair in love and war, and I uh, perhaps it might be fair to extend that to uh, the agent realm as well. At least that's what some people would say. So what is your, your philosophy as far as if you're going to recruit a, player who's with another agent at that time like how far can you go like what are kind of just i mean there aren't like actual like written down rules but in your mind like what's fair to do while while you're doing that like how far can you go when someone is actually you know still with another agent like obviously people change agents they change lawyers they you know change uh, all these things at some point like there has to be a process through that but also you know when you talk to agents they uh they don't get too happy when uh you know other uh agents are trying to poach their players so what is your philosophy on like when it's kind of okay to do that and how to go about that yeah so i think it's important for your listeners to know this nate is like every every agent is different my set of standards or rules or the ethos i operate from may be different it doesn't mean that i'm better or worse or whatever the case may be however they want to define it it's just me in terms of how i answer that and i'll and i'll start not by talking about i start with what's okay for me if i lose a client to another agent right what would be okay is i don't believe i i don't i don't own my clients right they it's it's a choice they've made it a choice to have me as their representative if they've made it a choice 
to engage, talk to and engage with another agent or entertain another agent, that's out of my control. Yeah. And as, especially if I've done my job to the best of my ability, or, or if something is wrong and we haven't addressed something, that's the, my client's prerogative to have that conversation, right? I can't blame the agent for, for not entertaining that, right? The problem I have is when there's not an issue, the client hasn't engaged with the agent, the agent is aggressively engaging with my client and manipulating information or just lying, yeah. right? Uh, that's when it's an issue. So getting back to your initial question of, of recruiting, it's like, I don't, if, if, if a family or a, or a player proactively engages with me, um, I'm going to have the conversation. What I won't do is talk disparaging about whoever his previous representation was, because I always say I'm not in it. I, I don't know what went right or wrong. Sometimes when I hear the client tell me what's wrong, it's like, no, like I'm saying, I may say to myself or say to them, like, no, that's actually accurate. Your agent's actually doing a good job because if they are doing a good job and I say otherwise, and that client now jumps on board with me, and if I'm doing a good job, they can interpret it the wrong way as if we're not doing a great job in terms of their representation, or it, it could um, we could end up mismanaging expectations. And that, that will always have the negative outcome. I've, I've never experienced it otherwise. It will always be negative. Yeah. So so really, it seems like then you're, the key line that you're drawing is, hey, if you reach out to me, uh, it's fair game. But if someone w is with a, another agent, you're not going to be like hitting them up all the time and being like, hey, I could be doing a, a better job for you. But if they, no. if they contact you, then you're obviously going to take the call. Right. And if they ask my honest opinion, I'll give my honest opinion on yeah. not the agent, but um, maybe where their career is at or what their what certain moves have been made. I'll ask a series of questions, but then I will give my uh, my honest opinion as to how I would have uh, maybe addressed it or again, ask a series of questions as to why, why was that decision made? What was going on? And, and then do some research and see if it's accurate or not. But the biggest thing for all my clients I start with, with it, it, it always goes back to as a plan. What's your expectations? What do you, oftentimes when I ask young people, where do you see yourself in five years, 10 years, 15 years? It's like it, they're, they're almost caught off guard. Like, what are you talking about? I'm just trying to get drafted in the lottery right now. <laughs> but, you know, but I have to be like, I have to tell them, like, you, you need to know where you're going to be in your career five, 10, 15 years from now. How long do you want to play? That's accountability in itself. Yeah, that's it's. It's funny. I I was just like a, a complete screw up, like in, in high school and college. I didn't really kind of get my life together until I, I went to law school. But what I always tell people is just how powerful it is to just have a plan when you're younger, because most people don't have that, right? Like if you, if you yeah. really can be focused on what you want, like when you're at the end of high school and, you know, obviously it's going to change a little bit because, you know, you grow as a person, but at the end of high school or in college, if you, whatever field you're in, if you can be like, Hey, this is what I want to do. And I'm going to focus on this as opposed to just all right i just graduated college this is like ad hoc now what, what am i going to do like it's so much more powerful to just be kind of training for what you would like to do 10 years from now when you're younger yeah and you know i'm i'm, I'm reading a, a book again uh, the, for the second time 
uh, is Atomic Habits. Now, you may have uh, be familiar with it or have read it. And it's interesting, right? It's, it, the pl- it's, it's not just the plan or the goal setting. It's like, what are your systems, right? What are your systems that are going to lead to those outcomes? Uh, because once you get to that goal, well, guess what? There's going to be another goal. Like you got to continue, you know, having those good habits that are going to continue to produce the results that you're seeking. And that's what I try to instill. That's what I, I'm constantly instilling or working on as an agent or an agency is to get better, to be able to convey those messages to my clients. Because Nate, as I get older, I'm 42, my clients are staying in that same, uh, in that same age range, right? So I have to make sure that as, uh, as even with my kids, it's like I'm communicating in ways that they understand. And then also not being married to what worked when I was, you know, those players age, but like really listening to them, like how are things changing? You know, we're seeing NIL, we're seeing overtime, we're seeing G League Ignite, we're seeing overseas still there. We're seeing all these advances in technology. We're seeing crypto, uh, you know, at new heights, you know, we're seeing uh, NFTs, like all these things I have to be on top of and mindful of because it's impacting the contracts being negotiated for guys. Or my guy comes to me and says, Todd, what's your opinion? I not only have to have an opinion, I better have high level counsel or an expert in that area to be able to advise me as well as a client to see if there's an opportunity there. And that's my job as a fiduciary is to do that. At least that's, again, how I do, how I've defined it. So last question, since you brought it up, how is... NIL changing your business and and the fact that you can actually you know you said you mentioned you're NCA certified as well how how is that changing your business how do you see it just changing the business overall in the next you know call it five years or so that's a podcast in itself another show Nate, <laughs> well, we can, really we can save it if you want it. to talk about it for 20 minutes some no, other time <laughs> yeah I can I mean it'll probably be longer than 20 minutes it, it's NIL is impacting the business significantly from an agent's perspective, as well as um, the student athlete's perspective. Um, There's also, you know, if if people, if your audience hasn't read up on NIL, there's different state laws to navigate even after the NCAA has approved it, right? And that's impacting NIL in different states on a high school and collegiate level. The other way it's impacting um, student athletes is could it be a is it incentive for a player to stay in school longer than that, that's going the question to the- I was I, I actually that's that's a discrete question maybe we can we can focus on here since I know it's so, so broad yeah whether whether it's actually going to get to the point where it makes sense for guys to stay in school uh because they're doing so well with with Nil stuff it, it again it's going to be based on the student athlete's circumstances as it relates to where they're projected right yeah or and, and what their earnings are based on their projection or what the cost benefit is of returning back to school to continue exploiting some of those regional or maybe national deals that they're getting in NIL, right? Yeah. The other thing that we don't, that I, I haven't really seen articulated is like NIL, you know, people often associate NIL, like the people, the players that are going to make the most money or the student athletes that are going to make the most money are the most talented player on the roster. Yeah. What I think is going to happen if I'm forecasting is like players being on teams like the NBA is going to give them 
a platform in which if they're using social media right and 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 quote unquote being in a social influencer properly, they could surpass the earnings of the best player on that roster or players on that roster because of their social media influence. And it could create opportunities for them in, in post-college if they're not a professional or they may be making, at, their earnings may be so great, even with presented with professional opportunities. And I'm saying probably out, outside of the NBA, but overseas or other opportunities, they uh, they may decline it because of the momentum that they've built uh, in high school or college from their influence. Um, yeah. And that's what's creating a unique opportunity. It's, it's um, I don't want to say evening the playing field between the most talented on a, a, a collegiate roster and, and and the guys that are coming off the bench or at towards the end of the bench, but they could certainly use that as an opportunity, that platform to to leverage their NIL. All right. Well, thanks, Todd. This has been a, a ton of fun. I, I really appreciate it. Would love to have you back on soon. I, I appreciate your candor uh, as well, and uh, looking forward to running into you uh, in an arena sometime this year for once. Yeah. No. Thanks for having me on, Nate. I enjoyed the conversation today, and 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 I appreciate it. I'm sure there'll be lots to talk about next time. At Bet Three Six Five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.